Welcome everyone. This is meeting 158 and today is 26th of January 2023. A bit of feedback. Paul Floyd emailed me, quote, in the latest podcast you talked about values that get used to fill memory, like ate bad food. You also mentioned OXAA. This gets used a lot in memory tests since it's 1010 in binary. So by writing AA then 55, which is 0101 in binary, you can try to test if there are any problems with neighboring bits toggling. CPP cast news. The CPP cast podcast has new hosts, Timo Dumler and Phil Nash. Best of luck to them with the revived CPP cast. Uh, this is an intro of the revived uh, podcast with the former hosts Rob Irving and Jason Turner as guests, which was weird to listen to. It's very good, as usual. Uh, there were some interesting tidbits. Jason said that the proposed safety features, like zero initialization of locals, uh, make sense only for those who don't use any tools, since the current compiler and static analysis tools let you know when you use uninitialized variables. And Timur mentioned something called erroneous behavior, which is not undefined behavior, but is still an error. It would allow the tools to detect it, but would also prevent exploits. Uh, the problem with that is that such behavior can't be expressed in the C++ abstract machine. So that's something for the committee to decide on, I guess. Is there any example of such er erroneous behavior? Uh, not that I remember from the podcast. Maybe like uh, use of term move or something like that? <sighs> Don't know, it's like not UB. <laughs> I mean, UB makes it possible to uh, detect such violations by, say, UB sanitizer. If it's not UB, then you can't detect it at runtime. So this would be something like um, mostly a mistake, but technically allowed, or or something that is definitely it, it a would be no, wrong. it would be definitely an error but it wouldn't be UB at runtime. Okay. So I guess so, yeah, static analysis could deal with it. Interesting. Now, let's see what was in the January mailing. Uh, there is a Reddit discussion and lots of polls listed. There was a, an, a question someone asked. What's the status on reflection? And the reply was, is the committee still reflecting on it? There is an active discussion uh, regarding the proposed default zero initialization of variables and some notable documents. The first one we are going to look at is uh, Biana's paper called A Call to Action, Think Seriously About Safety, Then Do Something Sensible About It. There are 
lively discussions of this paper on both Hacker News and Reddit. Regarding that NSA memo that uh, called for abandoning C++ or C slash C++, as they call it, um, Biana says this, quote, that specifically and explicitly excludes C and C++ as unsafe. As it's far too common, it lumps C and C++ into the single category C slash C++, ignoring 30 years of progress. Unfortunately, much C++ use is also stuck in the distant past, ignoring improvements, including ways of dramatically improving safety. End quote. By the way, there is another memo that just appeared, and this time it's from Consumer Reports. It also talks about memory safety and also mentions C and C++, but it's either C or C slash C++. <laughs> I couldn't see any mentions of C++ as a separate language. Rust mentions are plenty. It's more than a little annoying. I also couldn't see any C++ experts in the list of contributors. This document raises valid points, but um, pushes heavily memory-safe languages like Rust. There was an interesting thread of discussion on Hacker News. And this person on Hacker News writes, After all, statistics just isn't on his side, meaning Bjarne. Even the top engineers hired by Google create around one memory error every thousand lines. And they didn't have one yet in 1.5 million lines of Rust. This is with all of the analysis tools at their disposal and in use for C++. And most companies can't afford the same top talent that Google can. And the article linked is about memory-safe languages in Android. <laughs> this prompted several people to uh, respond with some uh, pushback. This one writes, If you want to use statistics to support your assertion that C++ hasn't gotten better, safer and more efficient over the decades, then your statistics must compare different versions of C++, not C++ and Trust. The blog you linked to is a PR piece, but that's not the major issue. Uh, you're talking, you're taking as a fact that Google's Android C++ programmers are particularly interested in safety or are significantly more competent than average. Based on my occasional perusal of Android C++ code in a professional context, I cannot confirm either assumption. Android C++ is not modern, not even C++ 11 modern, and is very pointer heavy. It's an eclectic mix of C functions and C data types with C++ constructs. That, that is the OG C slash C++. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that looks like C with classes to me, uh, they say. And there were more comments telling things like, Google's end software and user software is pretty poor. The Google C++ C++ guidelines are notoriously old-fashioned and uh, they have tons of legacy code even in projects like Chromium that are basically C with classes uh, so are very prone to errors that modern C++ 
is more robust against. There's lots of interesting comments on Reddit. And comparing the two discussions, I would say that Reddit seems not better, but um, I mean, not, not as um, inflammatory, I'd say. <laughs> Calmer discussion. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we are biased because this is the CPP subreddit, and so it's partial to be more lenient towards, you know, any C++ and there was instead uh, Hacker News, which is more open to everybody to bash on C++, which has become a popular sport, I think. Yeah, indeed. Another quote from Bjarne's paper. In general, uh, he talks about static analysis, uh, mentioning Visual Studio Core Guidelines Analysis Profile and Clang Tidy. Oh. Hang on, let me admit. Oh, Biana is joining. Hi, Biana. Uh, hi. We were just talking about your paper. I see. We were looking at some discussions about that, uh, including the one on Hacker News and uh, Reddit. Mm hmm. And yeah. we looked at how Hacker News says, there was a quote, let me repeat it. Um, someone says, after all, statistics just in, isn't on his side, meaning you. Even the top engineers hired by Google create around one memory error every 1,000 lines. And they didn't have one yet in 1.5 1, 1. million lines of Rust. And um, someone replies in the vein that uh, the article they linked about memory safe languages in Android code base is a PR piece and a Google Android code C++ code is notoriously bad in the sense that it's very pointer heavy and it's not even C++ 11 modern it's basically C with classes so that's not a fair it, comparison it may not surprise you but I'm not too impressed by the comments I see on the web. As usual, many people, possibly most people, doesn't seem to have read the papers. And there's endless claims like, uh, uh, of course, you can't prove the safety with just uh, static analysis. And of course, you can't. Everybody should know that. So therefore, we're not proposing it. You're mentioning the NSA paper. Uh, there is another paper regarding the memory, uh, C++ memory safety, this time from Consumer Reports. I don't know if you've seen it. I've seen it. And it also uses C slash C++. Yeah. Uh, the very popular mythical language, which uh, combines the errors of uh, both, or problems <laughs> of both. Yeah when described. So I was going to quote your paper a little, and the quote was, what might something sensible to do be? I suggest making a list of issues that could be considered safety issues, including UB, and finding ways of preventing them with the framework of uh, the your previous paper. That's what I plan to do, end quote. Mm -hmm. And the next paper we were going to look at was uh, this one. Uh, direction group opinion on safety for ISO C++. 
This is by Howard Hinnant, Roger Orr, Jana Strostrup, David Van der Voorde, and Michael Wong. And to me, this looks like a meta paper promoting a process and the framework for further security work. Quote, C++ appears, at least in public image, less competitive than other languages in regards to safety. This seems true especially when compared to languages that advertise themselves more heavily, actively, brazenly, com competently than C++. In some ways, they appear especially to satisfy an executive suite definition of safety, which makes it attractive for executives to ask for a switch from C++. Yet, what has been lost in the noise is that C++ has made great strides in recent years in matters of dangling resource and memory safety. Newer languages have less vulnerabilities because they have not been through the test of time. Today, even Rust, in all caps, has had vulnerabilities discovered recently and time will expose more vulnerabilities and weaknesses for general use. Ha <laughs> Take that, Rust! This dig at Rust, while likely fair, doesn't look very good, to be honest. The paper proposes uh, something called profiles. Quote, to support more than one notion of safety, we need to be able to name them. We call a collection of restrictions and requirements that defines a property to be enforced a profile. A typical profile will not be a simple subset of C++ language features. And we like to think profiles do not fragment the ecosystem, but increase diversity. For example, we might even have safety profiles for safe embedded, safe automotive, safe medical, performance games, performance HPC, and EU government regulation. Profiles impose restrictions on use where they are activated. They do not change the semantics of a valid program, in particular, a piece of code means the same in every profile or no profiles. This property is the crucial difference between dialects and our approach." End quote. Uh, this reminded me a bit to what Jared Waterloo proposed in his paper C++ is the next uh, C++, where he proposed uh, static analysis attributes turning some analysis on and off. The more uh, relevant comment is uh, the profiles in core guidelines and the paper by Gabby and me on uh, the variety of uh, safety notions. Oh, that was the design alternative for so type and resource safety plus plus, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm firmly uh, convinced that you cannot. Uh, get this kind of uh, safety simply by subsetting. You need the combination of static analysis and you need rules to simplify the use of the language to the point where static analysis works. And you then need libraries to simplify the way you write the code so that you don't have to get into the dark corners all the time. Is there a suggested syntax to impose such profiles, like a namespace or something? Um, this is a bit up in the air, what Gabby and I are uh, suggesting annotations in modules. 
the real deeper problem of all of this is that um, <clears throat> take, take anything you call safe. It'll be called by something that isn't, uh, and it'll call something that isn't for the same definition of safety if it is part of a really large system as opposed to a standalone. And so you now have to deal with the issue of how uh, you get in and out of safe um, modules or whatever you call them, um, and how you interact between different kinds of safety. Um, I mean, if you have a um, type safe thing that includes range checking, how do you uh, call a module that only does range checking but doesn't validate its pointers and vice versa? That whole set of problems. And that appears in every interlanguage system. Uh, I've seen uh, Scala programs getting um, getting uh, null exception uh, errors and, and things like that. And I've seen Java with crashes because they were calling C. Yeah. By the way, also, there is a whole other side of the conversation where they quote our safe is Rust, uh, but a lot of the time they compare uh, against a section of the C++ that if they would replace, they would have to use unsafe. Yes. So a lot of those uh, statistics that say how good is Rust uh, completely ignore the fact, the part of that uh, Rust language where you would actually need unsafe and therefore you're basically using they forget you, 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 you must credit anybody who has an increased degree of safety with the fact that there's a, a smaller set of things that needs to be checked and a smaller attack surface. Uh, one of the things that you do with something like core guidelines, if you actually enforce their use, would, would be that the number of places you'd have to look for a problem decreases dramatically. Like you won't have to look for dangling pointers anymore. This again will be true for all languages. If they don't have unsafe trusted sections, they'll call a language that uh, doesn't do those checks like C or C++. I also saw an interesting point someone raised that many C++ programs are not directly um, expressible in Rust because of uh, the safety features that prevent certain concepts from even being implemented. Yes. So you either have to hit unsafe Rust or do it in C++. Sure. And this is going to be the case in every safe language for every definition of safe and every definition of language. At the beginning, we did mention uh, CPPcast that got revived, fortunately, with the new hosts, Timo Dumler and Phil Nash. And in their intro episode, uh, Timo mentioned something called erroneous behavior in the context of safety improvements, which is not undefined behavior, but is still considered an error and which could possibly be discussed in the committee. And it presumably would allow the tools to detect it but 
wouldn't cause any exploits at runtime. Uh, but the problem seems to be that such behavior can't be expressed in the C++ abstract machine or something. And do you know anything about it, Bjarne? Not enough. I do know that uh, undefined behavior is, is a big problem. If you can do tra time travel optimizations, uh, a lot of bits are off. And this will, will be discussed at some point. It must be. It's, it's fundamental. There's lots of feedback uh, for the direction group paper on the internet, and not all of it is good. <laughs> what is Henry Sivanin on Mastodon says, it makes it look like the C++ leadership is not up to the task of engaging with the issue of memory safety in a credible way. And my impression is that you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Whatever paper you write or don't, um, it will be considered wrong by people, by some people. Sure. And, uh, quite often considered wrong by people whose only test was, does he agree with what I think? And if not, it's deemed incompetent. Yeah, everybody on that extreme, but uh, the loudest uh, voices very often, uh, well, gets uh, the most time. Uh, it seems to me that at this point we're fighting against uh, gut feelings and emotions. So, on one side, there, there could be as much logic as you want, but the other side is always answering with, you know, yes, but that's not my feeling. So, Rust is better or something. Mm -hmm. A couple of years ago, there was a, a review that something like 90% thought Rust was the best language ever, and 2% of voters had tried it. <laughs> Presumably, the statistics are better now. But still, uh, people will express opinions on things they don't know anything about. Yeah. It looks like uh, this a drive for improved safety and all these papers that say C++ is bad resulted in many people forming their opinion and whatever the C++ committee does it's now considered by those people as um, sort of um, what do you call it damage control and is instantly dismissed. The way people think. Um, let's see, we launched the core guidelines uh, more than seven years ago. I wrote the JSF++ guidelines about 20 years ago. We didn't actually start yesterday. Well, the attention is peaking at the moment to this issue. So many people, I guess, only now discovering are only now discovering um, what's been happening and and um, often dismissing the stuff that's been done before before this. Yeah, and very often they are looking for very simple solutions. One simple solution that will solve all their problems. They are, of course, not going to find it. Um, 
the, the solution I'm sort of suggesting the area of solution rests on uh, three legs, uh, static analysis, library, and uh, coding uh, rules. Uh, people don't like that. That's that's complicated. It's not one thing. It's not just something you can plug in and get a, a solution out of. Yeah. Next paper we were going to look at uh, was Gabby Dosray's contracts for C++ prioritizing safety. This paper got updated. There were slides posted. And the paper now has an inset with the main idea at the top. Quote, this document suggests a design of contract predicates that emphasizes safety by default by reducing opportunities for undefined behaviors in contracts and their propagation across abstraction boundaries. An accommodation in the form of relaxed contract predicates is provided for scenarios where safety by default is not a primary concern. End quote. And the goal is, uh, another quote, consequently a viable contract system for C++, however minimal, must ensure that the evaluation of a contract predicate cannot itself be exploitable source of undefined behavior by compiler optimizers. Hence my, it's about time travel and the need to look into UP. Yeah. Uh, some more notable quotes from the paper. It is also an answer to the call to action for improving safety in C++ programs. Bjarne Strostrup's uh, paper that we just talked about. Yeah, notice Gabby is co-author to the paper about the different kinds of safety and how to deal with it, the profile stuff and such. Right. Quote, in practice, Contracts are summaries of the expectations and guarantees of a successful function call. As such, not every single action taken or statement written in the body of a function implementation needs to be reflected in the expression of the contracts of a function. The ideal that the contract predicates design presented in this paper aims for is the evaluation of contract predicates shall be free of undefined behavior and they shall not modify parameters they reference. Contracts provide basic mitigation framework. They should not themselves be sources of vulnerabilities. We should aim to reduce undefined behavior from contracts as much as possible. This proposal modifies the current minimal viable uh, proposal as follows. Categorize contracts into two groups. First, non-relaxed contracts, and second, Relaxed contracts. There is a whole section on UB in uh, the paper. And the proposed solution is, quote, tighten the specification of the C++ abstract machine so that contract predicates evaluation never invokes undefined behavior, even if other parts might, and appropriately restrict the contract predicate language. Regarding side effects in contract expression, Gabby says, Quote, I suggest that we make each of a precondition and a postcondition a self-contained expression, their free variables being function parameters and constants, and side effects free when seen from the outside of each of their cone of evaluation. Gabby introduces a new concept of conveyor function. Quote, 
A conveyor function is conceptually a function that, when called with an argument list, performs no side effects outside of its function body or argument list. Furthermore, such a function does not perform any operation the behavior of which might invoke undefined behavior. A conveyor function is declared with the attribute conveyor and its body is sub subject to syntactic restrictions as defined below in the document. End quote. Is it what they call a pure or referentially transparent function with extra security features and restrictions to prevent UB? I suspect so, but I have not read this version of the paper, so I, I don't have any opinion on it. Um, it is always uh, unsafe to ignore Gavi. The appendix of this paper contains answers to the questions raised after presenting the initial version of the paper and collated in the other document that we discussed previously, the questions on this one. Unfortunately, the questions are not copied into this paper, so you need to have both papers open to see the questions together with the answers. Yeah, those are the questions that are in the other mailing list entry, including also a lot of our orders, Herb Sutter. I've seen that one uh, in the listing. Yeah, I think so. It was not a coherent set. It was uh, a union of uh, lots of people's questions. And so they went all over the place. It's, it's hard to answer such a set of questions each extensively because well they make different assumptions and they refer to different versions of things it's it's quite hard so i can see why he wouldn't copy it again and also that questions paper is just the entire paper is just questions so to copy it would be duplicating the entire it's paper a union of uh, whatever people were uh, interested in or confused about but judging from the appendix, I say I think Gabby diligently answered all the questions that were in that, that paper. Yeah, he certainly tried, I know. And at the very end of this paper, Gabby included a quote by Chuck D, which goes like this quote It is not a matter of skills, but a battle of wills. I can't help thinking it's about the committee. Oh the other relevant paper is by Andrzej Krzymenski, uh, contract predicates that are not predicates. I think it's about side effects in contract expressions. Uh, things like whether or not the program should be marked ill-formed if a contract predicate cannot be proven to be referentially transparent. So it's like um, other solutions to side effects are proposed in parallel, um, together with Gabby's version. And the next one is Proposal of Simple Contract Side Effect Semantics. Quote, we propose and motivate a set of simple, intuitive and time-honored semantics for side effects in MVP contracts. In essence, we propose that contract expressions have the same side effect semantics and evaluation semantics as any other C++ expression. So they say side effects are allowed, I think. 
Yeah, I think this uh, this paper arguments uh, with an example where there is uh, a robot that may need to check if it's standing correctly before performing a motion of some sort, and this may call a whole machine learning pipeline and log and do other things, and all of those loggings and machine learning and calling to external sensors would uh eventually have uh, side effects so just to check if the robot is in the right position before performing some action necessarily would imply that we need to allow for side effects the question is, is that really what you want to be a predicate in a, a contract or is that a program you want to check um i don't think everything should be uh, embedded in uh, contracts. You mean maybe we should uh, pr prohibit uh, behavior like logging in a contract because that's something that... Uh... Oh, I didn't say that. I did not say that. Hmm. Um, I'm just saying that extreme examples like uh, I'm launching a rocket to tell me whether there's a Chinese... Uh, space station on the backside, um, maybe a reasonable thing to do if you are the right kind of organization, but it would be really strange to put it into a contract. Got it. When, when, it, when you don't get the absolutes, everything or nothing, you have to find a, a boundary, and that's always hard. And I'm not going to suggest one right here. But these two are sort of the opposite. Uh, this one and Gabby is say exactly the opposite things, basically. I guess at some point when you are writing or thinking about writing a contract predicate and putting more and more stuff into it, at some point you have to stop and think, is it still a, a contract predicate or a separate like function? Or this is the program. <laughs> yeah. So. I noticed that this paper seems to be also based on the notion that contracts are either not evaluated or evaluated with program termination on failure, which is going to be unacceptable for a large number of applications. Like I have a paper saying that. Exactly. Do I understand correctly that none of the proposals anyway are allowing for contracts to be disabled at release? Uh, like, for instance, you know, assertions. All of those contracts, implementations, or suggestions, they implicitly leave those, uh, whatever is the implementation of the contract, in a release build, I think. I is this correct? I think there's controls so that you could switch to, uh, say, compile uh, time-only checks. But uh, there has been changes, and I'm not fully up on all of the changes that has happened. So you'll have to read something more carefully to, to know the answer to that one. Thank you. This was not the only paper that mentioned these two options of not checking or crashing terminating on, on fault. There was uh, a vote in that uh, study group some time ago for a um, roadmap, which they keep referring to. And that roadmap uh, claims that what they have is a minimal viable solution. Um, 
some people claim it's neither minimal nor viable. Oh, and they are saying that in that MVP, uh, those two are going to be the only options. Yes, and if you want something else, you can always propose it later. Right. Um, so next paper by the same author, Andrew Tomasz-Oss, introduces another third style of contract expressions. Quote, we propose coining a new term called an in-condition. If a precondition is a condition that must be true at the entry of a function, and a post-condition is a condition that must be true at the exit of a function, an in-condition is a condition that must be true at a point within or inside a function. End quote. It used to be called assertions. It's not assertion because assertion doesn't rhyme. No, really. I, I get it. <laughs> quote much the same as postcondition in condition is not an english word and does not appear in the dictionary that's a good justification isn't it do you think we can get a feature in called xkcd <laughs> yeah and uh, to my medically educated mind it sounds like a symptom <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. We should not ridicule. Um, well, since we are inventing new words now, I propose mid-condition instead, because why not? And there's more, apparently. The author proposes to truncate these new non-words to precond, incond, and postcond, because we don't have enough of awkward keywords in C++. What's the date of this paper? Uh, the 4th of December last year. See. Mm -hmm. But it's revision zero, and that was the January mailing was the first mailing that I saw it in. So the next one is by Joshua Byrne, and it's called Evaluation of Checked Contract Checking Annotations. Quote, we propose a series of rules to govern the evaluation of predicates and thus to determine whether contract violation has occurred. Um, what I noticed was that this also dealt with the two modes only, no eval and eval and abort. Uh, it's a very tidy proposal with um, very clearly denoted paragraphs that list the actual proposed features. Quote, when the predicate of a checked contract checking annotation would have undefined behavior, a defect occurs. Platforms are encouraged to treat any such UB as a contract violation occurring. End quote. I'm not sure how would that work. Compilers would have to detect UB, which is not not always possible. I wish it was, but yes, you know, by definition, you know. And, and by the way, it would have to know whether the uh, UB occurred in something called from a uh, uh, contract predicate. So you have the same function called from a contract predicate and uh, from elsewhere, the UB would have to be uh, dealt with differently. Messing with the uh, abstract machine may be necessary, but it's certainly not easy. Yes, the next one is reconsidering concepts in place syntax. And this revives 
one of the terse notations of concepts that were proposed by Herb Sutter, the one with the curly braces enclosing the, uh, the type identifier. And um, it proposes a modification for this uh, with a colon, auto colon T instead of auto curly's T. Why? Uh, uh, because uh, very often you need a name type. They want to use the name. Oh yeah, if you just say auto X. Uh, you want to say T. Because yes, because then you you can like forward use of uh, stood forward with the, with a type and and so on. But what's uh, why is it better with the colon instead of with the braces? Uh, well, the braces were rejected as far as I can remember. So why not try colon? Okay. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. Um, if if only we had a proposal to simplify concept syntax, which was also rejected. No, I can't remember. Bjarne, can you remember? <laughs> oh, I was uh, thinking about something else, sorry. Uh, <laughs> syntax debates are uh, really very uh, productive. Since I haven't carefully looked at that paper, I carefully don't have an opinion about it. <laughs> Fair enough. This paper by Dietmar Kuhl uh, of Bloomberg is called Sender-Receiver Interface for Networking. And I think it's a noble endeavor to use senders receivers to define a networking architecture. It raises hopes um, in me of a standard networking solution based on the standard asynchrony patterns. And I'm sure it'll do just fine in the committee. Well, we'll see. Um, certainly some of us have uh, hoped that you could put um, SEO on top of center receiver and get on with that. But it's it's very complicated and each time we get near, uh, new ideas seems to be coming along. And so it doesn't terminate. Right. The next one is interesting. Adding the new SI prefixes. And it's interesting to me because I learned four new words. Quote, we propose to add the missing SI prefixes Quecto, 10 to the power of minus 30, Ronto, 10 to the power of minus 27, as well as Rona, 10 to the power of 27, and Queta, 10 to the power of 30, to the ratio here. So, yeah, interesting. Are they which context are these words used in usually? Never heard those myself. Yeah, either. Wait, there's a reference right there in the first sentence. So some international organizations have added those names to the standard ones. And so this is basically a paper that says, well, if there's a new international standard for naming, we should use it. I'm curious what the binary prefixes are going to be. Ronnie, Quinty, or kind of there is no way to know. I, I wonder if these things are really uh, actually used in the real world. 
I mean, you do know that some standards aren't actually uh, used. I can ask a physicist friend of mine, or maybe I need an astrophysicist for these numbers. Oh yeah, maybe maybe they're used in cosmology. The big ones tend to be in cosmology, and the little ones in uh, particle physics. Yeah. And yeah. Unless, unless we are in those fields and write code in those fields, I don't think we should express an opinion. My humble opinion, I think most physicists and cosmologists, they, they like using just uh, numbers like 10 to the 30 or 10 to the minus 30. But, you know, maybe I've been out of the game too long to know. Um, I've certainly heard counterexamples. That is, that is I, I agree that I, I hear numbers more often than the names of numbers, but, but I have heard counter examples, people actually using names. I stopped at Femto. That was, you know, the smallest <laughs> I remember. I wonder if Rust has the equivalent names for these kinds of things. Could be a definite C++ advantage if it doesn't. Next, we have a paper by Aaron Bowman, which is called CXOR, C++ Programming. Quote, is it not uncommon to hear about C slash C++ Programming as a shorthand for C and C++ Programming? This implies that C and C++ are similar, but distinct programming languages with the obvious interpretation being that C++ is a proper superset of C. However, this does not accurately describe the situation. This document enumerates instances where the same source code has different meaning when compiled with C and C++ implementations." End quote. I wrote a paper about that in 2002. All old is new again. This was a very interesting paper to me that presented many differences between C and C++ that I didn't know about, together with very convenient uh, Godbolt links. So all the snippets you can try yourself on Godbolt. And a related link, if you really want to do something in C, but you are a C++ developer, this is a modern C for C++ peeps article, um, which says right away, modern C is not a subset of C++. And then goes to explain um, how to do C. Right, I think that's it for today, and I will leave you this quote by Brian Koenigan. Debugging is twice as hard as writing the code in the first place. Therefore, if you write the code as cleverly as possible, you are, by definition, not smart enough to debug it. End quote. That's a famous quote. Thank you very much for joining me. I'll speak to you soon. Bye.